everybody needs more confidence on stage and on video because mm. we, I, because we can all lose a little bit or stumble and then feel self-conscious. It's just part of human nature to hope that whatever you're doing, people value it because otherwise if what you're working on and sharing and nobody wants it, you might get kicked out of the group, you know, be available for wolves to eat you and be disconnected (laughs) from the abundance of the community. So we all want to make something that people like. And when you're presenting something and you start to feel like, oh God, just as someone check their phone, or they should be listening to my speech, they don't like it, oh God, and you kind of clench, you're forgetting to take deep breaths, you're squeezing it out faster, running out of air makes you feel more nervous, and the thing that can help your voice and your confidence and your delivery is to just take some slower deep breaths. Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and this podcast will discuss just how sound influences our behavior. I generally talk about this in the context of advertising and marketing, but there are other places this is important too. I really feel that it plays a much more important role in our lives than maybe we realize. So let's delve a little deeper. This is the first part of my interview with Emily Rose Giddings. My next guest is a self-taught musician who has toured the U.S. multiple times as a lead vocalist in the sparkly indie band Zigtibra. She's also a certified life coach who focuses on helping her clients find confidence and authenticity in marketing online. She usually coaches from the road while touring, but with 2020 tour plans canceled, she's creating lots of workshops in her Facebook group, Confident Creative Entrepreneurs, to keep herself and her community entertained. She currently lives in Arcata, California, next to the Redwoods and the Pacific Ocean. Her name is Emily Rose Giddings, and I'm really looking forward to getting her perspective on our current situation and on the topics of sound and music. I think you'll enjoy our discussion, too. Thank you for talking with me today, Emily Rose. We've got a lot of uh, technical stuff out of the way here. (laughs) Always the case. Uh, I hope you're keeping safe and well where you are. Yes, just hibernating. Yeah. We're probably not the only ones having tech adventures today and every day now that everyone's leaning into online connection, Zoom, audio, all of that. Yeah. So we're not alone. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are using it right at the same time. (laughs) That's probably what's going on. Yeah, definitely. So what's going on in your world just in general? What have you been up to? So in general... I have been working on a new album from home, mm-hmm. so wonderful. that's been convenient. I do miss going out and playing shows, but last night I did my first live stream from the, the home studio scenario as a fundraiser for a local artist residency uh, facility. Nice. So that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, just working on the new album, and I'm also a life coach, mm-hmm. a confidence coach for video, so this has been a really fortunate time for me, kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. People definitely need that right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I want to get a little into the background of how you got into music. What first inspired you to start performing and and doing what you do? Well, I grew up in a pretty creative family. My dad's an artist. Mm -hmm. My mom is a knitter. My sister's a painter named Matisse. And I always loved music that way that probably lots of teenagers, you hear your song and it's your song. And it just describes every bit of your 
hormones racing through your body. And, <laughs> yeah. Right. And I wanted to, I loved it so much that I wanted to create something from everything that was inspiring me that was through my unique lens and then be able to share it back out into the world and hopefully have make something as such an homage to everything that had inspired me that other people would take and also love and help them have a, a new way to color their feelings or their world experience through the art that I was making. And I was too shy to do it for like my whole life. I was bad stage fright and no musical training. And I came to it uh, later in life, I guess. Mm -hmm. I was in a dance troupe. And when I moved to Chicago and it was the first underground, cool kind of art thing I did, I met a lot of, I suppose the underground art scene is very embracing of a lot of people's ideas. So I met this group of people trying different, wild, expressive things. And I found a community and a sense of support for trying out my ideas. Whereas I was thinking, I'm, I'm 20. It's too late for me to try to get into music or expressive things. At 20? <laughs> wow. Are you hard on yourself? <laughs> right. Everybody is. And, uh, and it took me still a while after that to, to start to venture into it. But, um, I got to lean into trying out my ideas with a really supportive audience. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would have felt brave enough to do it without that because I was so shy. And um, I met someone who liked the same kind of music I did. They had some songs already written and they had the wild idea that I ought to try drumming at it, which I didn't know how to drum and I was terrible. But like I said, everyone was so supportive that it was fine. You know, they just rolled with it and they were like, far out. This is, she's just like drumming her own way. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Fast forward to now. Yeah. You just try what you want to try and see if it sticks. <laughs> yeah. And persevere. If you have enough passion for yeah. something and you can go through the sucking at it phase for long enough, you can get there. That's true. That is so true. Mm -hmm. So when you first discovered voice, mm -hmm. what was the voice that made the biggest impression on you? Did you have like one that you particularly loved? Mm. That we all emulate a lot, right? Totally. When we start off, definitely, yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I want to hear yours, too. So <laughs> mine was um, hmm, probably... Probably Fiona Apple, because okay. I was feeling that angsty stuff. I heard one of her albums and I thought her voice was so sexy. And I thought my voice was so tinny and childlike. And I wanted to have a gravelly, deeper voice. So in the car, I would sing along to her records and pray that I would get a sexy voice somehow. And uh, I loved how powerful it was. I liked that sometimes she dips into almost an androgynous or fearless graveliness that isn't that feminine, high, squeaky Britney Spears or 1920s mm -hmm. feminine voice or 50s voice. There's something rooted and deep in it and emotional. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And that's a great artist to emulate. Wow. <laughs> no, when I, was a, when I was a kid, it was Barbra Streisand. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She was like the number one. I had records, oh, records, wow. yeah. <laughs> actual vinyl records before they were cool, before, you know, the hipsters picked them up. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is like way back when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. And uh, Karen Carpenter. 
because oh. I definitely grew up with her voice. Yeah. So kind of odd mix, but but yeah, a lot of um, emotion, mm-hmm. a lot of emotion. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and just that smooth, velvety depth that I really, really admired. So yeah. There's, you know, I love that you picked those two people because I, I like the timbre of their voices. And that's something that I think if you are an audio person or you're into vocal qualities, something about the texture of the voice is just strikes you and almost um, it's like when a frequency rings out in a room, an E frequency, and the a guitar E string will resonate with it. And maybe it's mm-hmm. like that some part of their voices resonate with who you are. It struck your emotional being and you had to explore that by stepping into audio vocal exploration in your life. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, I think that there are frequencies that resonate differently with different people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you found something in Fiona Apple that really resonated with you. And, uh, you know, with Barbara Streisand, I just found something in that that resonated with me. And I, I don't think it necessarily has to be like our voice. I think it, it kind of colors what our voice becomes. Mm, yeah. So, so you're not trying to necessarily be that person. And we may even try emulating them to start with, but we're not them. So, yeah. <laughs> so you sort of make your own, um, your own version of what the melding of you and them might sound like. Yeah. Um, and I've actually, I've talked with a lot of voice actors in animation. And part of the way that I've heard some of them come up with new characters is by melding impressions that aren't quite right with their own voices. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, I could see that because you can't perfectly emulate someone. So you lean into that style and then you find something new and unique. Like, I wonder if that's a part of what it is about Barbara Streisand or Fiona Apple is you felt like you believed them or it was very real and compelling to you. So you wanted to find your own, if I start there, I'll find my own real authentic voice and Mm -hmm. it will resonate with other people or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the the melding of you and someone you admire mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of makes a new entity. <laughs> yeah. I think there was one thing I mentioned when we chatted before, a childhood formative thing was this, I really appreciated Disney voices, speaking of cartoon voices or mm-hmm. um, animation. Sure, yeah. There was a, Dis, a, what is it, Cinderella, one of the fairies, the the plump, adorable one who wore blue and had dark hair, I really loved her voice. It sounded like she had just eaten a cookie and taken a sip of tea. And in my head, (laughs) I called it the tea cookie voice. It's got some kind of resonance around the back of the throat. Mm -hmm. And she was, shoot, I had looked up her name for this. Um, (laughs) She was, I can't remember. I'll maybe look it up secretly while you're talking later. That does sound kind of adorable. (laughs) What a beautiful voice. And Mm -hmm. it was comforting to me. It sounded Mm -hmm. like an aunt who you could just come to her house and throw your book bag on the counter and she'd have desserts for you and listen to your day. (laughs) Yeah. I guess she made a very good fairy. (laughs) Fairy godmother. Yes. (laughs) Totally. Bosomy, you know. Yeah. Just want (laughs) to... I think we all need hugs right now. Yes. <laughs> and tea and cookies. Yeah. And tea and cookies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so actually, that that leads me into another point, because I know that mm-hmm. that that movie, that animated movie was actually made many years ago. So um, there's, I guess, an an era of voices so what are like, especially in singing voices, I guess, have have you noticed a change in singing voices from different decades, different time periods? Oh, I love this question. So, yes. And it's super fascinating to me because all through the decades of the last hundred years are so many different styles of music. And that's just talking about Western style of music, not mm-hmm. talking about Indian styles of music, Chinese or like the African continent style or Mongolian, so many different styles, Ireland, just in America alone, thinking about the types of music that were popular in the the teens or the 20s, and we're talking 1920s, that high feminine style, that like ragtime style that was popular and edgy. It was almost... um, impolite, a little sensational, a little jazzy, mm-hmm. a little raw, a little raunchy. And then, yeah. yeah, that that super high feminine style, I like to listen to it. And it seems so silly to even try to sing along to it. It's really, you know, like, come on, my baby, all those high, <laughs> yeah. cute. And then sure. 30s. Betty and Boop. Betty Boop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, so super feminine. And then 30s and 40s when things were changing and there were some women in the 50s who had deeper, deeper, different style of voices like Ella Fitzgerald or and then we mm-hmm. go into the 60s and it explodes in styles. Yeah. Sarah Vaughn is another one of my absolute favorites. Wow. Oh, my goodness. She's oh, such a beautiful voice. <laughs> mm. Gosh, it's like it's sensuous to lean into all the different types of voices that began to blossom out of what I feel like in the 20s, there was just one style of feminine voice or the 10s or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And each year beyond, there's more opportunity to try every style. Yeah, the 60s, 70s explodes and the 80s where there's synth pop and there's super dreamy and there's probably sort of like in the 80s, I feel like there was a throwback to some 50s styles like B-52s and... Yeah. Just seemed to kind of be coming back up in style. And then 90s. They were kind of doing it ironically, though, weren't they? (laughs) I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell, really, but. (laughs) Like how 90s is kind of ironic now with, um, I can't even think of who I'm thinking of. But uh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of 90s um, styles and music or like throwback hip hop, kind of Dell in the funky homo sapien style. Um, or grunge. Grunge, <laughs> for sure. Grunge, yeah. Are you looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio-branding-strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website, and I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. 
If you do sign up though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, I know in uh, in voice acting, one of the things that they do is they use the announcer as the irony, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, like the really super announcer, you know, but it's all in a joke now. It's mm-hmm. not like no one actually really wants that kind of an announcer. They use it as a joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. So That's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And it, it kind of makes some of the spots funnier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what it's what's coming. You know what it is. You're like, oh, this is a funny. Here's we're being sold, pitched a commercial. We should listen. It's goofy. It's a kind mm-hmm. of a throwback, actually. Yeah, it's interesting how how different things are used and why, actually. <laughs> so if you're, um, I don't know if you do you teach voice at all, or is just it's just something that you do? Do you incorporate it into your coaching at all, or you know, working with their voices? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming would help people with their confidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, how do you um, get people to use their voices to improve their sound and their confidence? I love this question. So some people, well, actually, you probably know this, that a lot of people you meet say, I could never do voice acting. I have a terrible voice. It's so small, thin. I run out of air. Um, And I don't do voice vocal coaching for singing, but with clients who feel insecure about their voices, I remind them that before we go on video, a lot of people I work with are either going on stage or doing video to promote their consultancy, et cetera. Um, Mm -hmm. Coming from a place of, waking up, being in private time, having journal time, changing, brushing your teeth, and then talking, your voice isn't ready with an energy that is attractive or appealing. It is a little croaky. I sound like an old man in the morning unless I get a little talking going. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We all sound like toads. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Morning voice is a very Mm -hmm. real thing. (laughs) Yeah. You need to hydrate. Yes. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Straight to caffeine is not as effective as having some water, warming it up. I, um, so it's fun to give a client the empowering discovery that we can work on it and give it a richness that is surprising to some people. Drinking water, doing burbles with the, the lips so that people don't dry out and squeeze and fry the vocal cords to kind of warm Mm -hmm. it up before, or I do straw phonation to get the vocal cords warmed up, lubricated, and it uh, helps them be able to speak throughout the whole, whatever they're speaking, talk the Mm -hmm. whole time they're on stage, talk the whole time they're creating the video without getting squeaky or hoarse, and then self-conscious, which makes the voice squeeze up even more, talk about deep breathing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess as far as public speaking is concerned, proper breath control and, you know, actually in that context, learning to sing, even if you're not really a singer, might be helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. just, you know, whether or not you're good at it. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I mean, <laughs> but uh, but breath control is a good thing for even public speaking. And um, the confidence, I'm thinking, would... Uh, allow them to slow down enough that they could be 
more impactful to their audience? I guess it depends on what they're doing. Everybody needs more confidence on stage and on video because mm. we I, because we can all lose a little bit or stumble and then feel self-conscious. It's just part of human nature to hope that whatever you're doing, people value it because otherwise if what you're working on and sharing and nobody wants it, you might get kicked out of the group, you know, be available for wolves to eat you and be disconnected (laughs) from the abundance of the community. So we all want to make something that people like. And when you're presenting something and you start to feel like, oh God, just as someone check their phone, or they should be listening to my speech, they don't like it, oh God, and you kind of clench, you're forgetting to take deep breaths, you're squeezing it out faster, running out of air makes you feel more nervous, and the thing that can help your voice and your confidence and your delivery is to just take some slower deep breaths. Yeah. Find your voice, find your confidence, be a little more rooted, remember what you were going to say next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, connecting, I guess, is mm-hmm. really the important part. So, yeah, you got to be very conscious in order to do that. Out of curiosity, do you have any like case studies of a you don't have to name names or anything, but mm-hmm. like someone who you worked with who uh, was um, not so confident in the beginning and then ended up <laughs> doing well? <laughs> Everybody, everyone starts out feeling saying the same things pretty much. Mm -hmm. I'm super nervous about what to say on video or on stage. I don't know how to go out there. I don't know how to be. What am I supposed to do? And when I try to act like this thing I think I'm supposed to do, I'm focusing on the technical aspect and Mm. it feels so uncomfortable to me. And as confident as I try to act, I'm nervous the whole time. I hate it. No one likes it. I can tell they're not watching, clicking off, walking away, talking during my set, all of that. And after working together, just doing this one thing, just having them show up to doing it over and over and over, they get better because they find like a mental flow. Okay. I know I'm going to get on stage. I know the first thing I do is say this or stage or video. Mm -hmm. And then I focus on my delivery and I do a great job. And I, instead of thinking about how am I coming across, does it look cool? Does it, uh, are they impressed? Mm -hmm. Thinking about doing a great job and connecting with the audience. Like if I'm just talking on this podcast and thinking about myself, (laughs) uh, it would be really disconnected and weird, but I get to look at your face. Mm -hmm. I get to think about you and what you experience. And it does come across as more interesting to people listening on the other end. So sure. Good delivery, getting good at it, and just doing more iterations of it gets easier. So when people think they can't, it's just because they haven't before. Got to show up to something a lot before you can say, I can do it. It's like stressing out about being bad at basketball. Well, yeah, you're just bad at basketball. And like adults have a, a a more difficult time than kids at showing up to something they're not already good at. Kids know they suck. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, I'm just suck at this Uh and I got to keep working on it. And they will let themselves be working on something for four years before they expect themselves to be better at a sport or a study. And Mm -hmm. adults um, can take a cue from that and come with, I just need to keep showing up to this with a little grace. I'm learning. I'm not going to be great at first. And every single time I show up to it, I'm going to learn one thing. One neuron is going to connect to another one. I'm going to be better next time. 
and the stress goes away just by showing up to it over and over. There's a lot of other parts to it, but just like, you know, with doing voice professionally, it wasn't like one day you showed up and everyone thought you were amazing. You had a million tweaks of sounding better, isolating your room better, uh, reducing S's or having richer resonance or knowing how to emotionally handle um, client demands for what you would produce. And you've slowly, bit by bit, like one tiny step at a day, integrated it into it just being a part of how you handle everything more easily now. Yeah, I mean, that is a part of confidence. As you mentioned, you know, you just do something over and over again and you get better at it. Um, But I still take coaching. And, uh, you know, most of the people who I know who've been in it for years, they don't ever stop coaching because that's the death right there. If you stop learning, (laughs) you're you're just done. Yeah. Um, And yeah, for for voiceover, it's actually mostly interpreting a script so that you can be the Mm. voice in the scriptwriter's head that they were envisioning Mm. when they wrote that. And that's acting. <laughs> yeah, it's acting. Exactly. And and that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to connect with what you're reading and not sound like you're reading. <laughs> yes. Because it's I think I've said this in multiple occasions, but it's a very artificial environment. Um, I'm sitting in a booth, a padded room in front of a microphone with headphones on my head, talking to a blank wall. Basically, I mean, I can see your face and that's fantastic. I love that. That's part of what makes this worth doing. <laughs> um, but but basically, I am when I'm performing a script, I'm looking at a blank wall, <laughs> you know, so I have to make that sound like I'm talking to someone. And mm-hmm. I think public speaking is kind of the same thing. I mean, really, it's an artificial environment, even if you're on a stage Usually when you're talking to people, it's one-on-one. You're not usually on a stage, you know, higher up than everyone else and, you know, trying to connect with 50 people instead of just one. That's hard, you know. So I can understand why people have such an issue with the public speaking part of that and why it would make people nervous. (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah. It's like the number one phobia or something. It totally is. Yeah. And I I get it. I totally get it. This has been part one of our interview. I hope you'll tune in next week for part two. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available on all the usual outlets. Until next time.